So, Doctor Who's been going on for 50 years now. That's right. Is there going to be an anniversary special next year, Dad? Oh, I'm sure there will be. Yeah, but will you be in it? I don't know. I'm sure they'll have more than one Doctor. So, it could just be like Matt Smith and David Tennant? Well, I suppose it could be. Macintosh. Brigadier. Tom McGann. Toby Haydock. Lisa Bowerman. Nicola Bryant. Deborah Watling. Paul Cornell. Nick Briggs. Philip Olivier. Matt Fitton. Graham Harper. Sophie Aldred. Kate Nine. Brian Blesser. Jake McGann. Robert Shearman. Nev Fountain. Tony Lee. Tim of Tim's Take On Podcast. Daphne Ashbrook. Sarah Sutton. Fraser Hines. John Donnie. Bob Fisher. Beth Chalmers. Jacqueline Pierce. Chase Masterson. Katie Manning. I love. Dirty whores. I am a dirty whore. Hello, you dirty whores. What a wonderful day. I have a restraining order against the dirty whores. I am the aerial automatic in a world full of dirty whores. You always get a big finish with dirty whores. You have to be very careful how you say dirty whores, don't you? Dirty whores. Most satisfactory. You're listening to Dirty Whores, you lucky thing. I am the chief dirty whore. Dirty, dirty whores. You better be listening to the dirty whores. It is more interesting than interviewing a Dalek. I have to say rudimentary papoose. I'm proud to be Dirty Whore's first ever Battenberg. Whoians? You're all whores. Who did you say you were? You're listening to the Dirty Whores. Ew! Ew, that sounded dirty! (laughs) Ew, that sounded so dirty! I mean, frankly, I think the name's a bit juvenile. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to review this time round A Day of the Doctor. Obviously, it's part of the big 50th anniversary push, written by the Moffat himself, directed by the moderately splendid Nick Huron, and starring just about every fucker and his dog, really. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. If, if you well, can't well. find an excuse to name drop on this one, I'll be massively surprised. Nick Briggs did the Daleks for a start. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's lovely. He's lovely. There you go. Would you like some ratings? Yeah, that sounds on. like a good idea, Lord President. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Uh, oh, this is hey. what? Go on, do it. <laughs> Was that even English? What the fuck? No. <laughs> this is a fifty, but I have to reserve it a little bit. This would be a full-on, full-stop fifty if it hadn't have been for what I saw in the four days leading up to it. This is yeah. a fifty by the skin of its teeth, only because everything else was so fucking awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give it a fifty. What the hell? With a tip, yes. In relation to the other two, <laughs> maybe not quite as excellent, yet excellent still. So fuck it. It gets a fifty. I very, very nearly gave this a twenty. I know what you mean. It's taken me a couple of days thinking that we were going to podcast to say no. I'm going to give it a fifty, but I'm only giving it a flat fifty. There's actually something about it which we'll get to that bugs me. It's not a canon thing. It's not a, really a storytelling thing. It's not the whole let zygons be zygons and all that <laughs> shit. I'll get to it. Very much the same as you. I was going to give it twenty with a big tip. Having watched it again tonight over tea, it's a flat fifty for the sole reason that it looked great. The character action was awesome, but my god, that plot made no sense whatsoever. That. I think it works better on a second watching the plot, to be honest. 
it, it, it does. does. It still doesn't make any sense. The poor prof lost sleep for nights trying to figure out and justify all the plot holes. Poor Baba. It's just utter twaddle. Your but... pet name for him is Baba. No. Good. <laughs> I was wondering about that. She just made that up. I, Good. I was a little bit sick in my mouth then. <laughs> okay, so we're all giving it a 50, but some of us are just clenching in there. If you want to know about our rating system, ladies and gentlemen, go check it out over on the blog. If you look at the blog post that this is attached to, there'll be a link on it. Just follow that along. And also, you should really try the Dirty Hose drinking game, because we do. Oh. Um, also, this is our second podcast, and we had some sound and mic problems. So some Jeez. of us, mostly me, have been drinking for quite some time now. <laughs> to the entertainment value of the podcast. Yeah, so. so you're just going to have to bear with us because I'm one glass away from real heavy profanity <laughs> and two glasses away from sleep. All right. Who would like to go first? We were watching this in a hotel room at a comic convention and we'd just gone up in the lift with a lovely lad who was getting terribly excited. Oh, about hey, it. one of them conventions, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a good-looking boy, I tell you. The reason that we weren't at XL in London, which we would have loved to have been for the big 50th bash, was the fact that we'd already booked tickets for Thought Bubble when the BBC kindly announced the fact they were actually bothering their asses to do something on the anniversary weekend. So this lad was actually going to get on a train at a stupid time in the morning to get to London for the Sunday of XL so he could at least go and take part. It was amazing. Everybody just scattered so they could go and watch it. Course. in their various places we were quite excited I was looking forward to seeing John Hurt do the role because he's super oh, and yeah. there were elements of the doctor there I thought yeah, for, you mm. know, I thought he was, yeah, he did a great job. Yeah. He did, he did yeah. an awesome job. And it was very silly in places, it was very poignant in places. The bit that really annoyed me was the fact that it does not tie in in any way, shape or form with what happens at the end of the last season. It's just like, uh, yeah, we're not going to bother about that. Yeah. <laughs> Forget it. Does he need to? They need to explain how they got the hell out of his timeline, yeah. Mm. I see what you're saying. Apparently the Christmas episode has to do with Transalor and all that so maybe that'll yawn silence will fall (laughs) I know right (laughs) I really don't care about the silence at this point is it a religion is it a race who gives a toss the bits with Tennant and Queen Elizabeth reminded me of all the reasons that I got annoyed with Tennant's tenure because of some (laughs) of the silliness of it but as soon as they got him and Matt Smith together and as soon as they got the three of them together the character it was the way that he took the fucking piss out of the other two yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like it's a scientific instrument stop (laughs) giving it to people it was the exact level of interaction that we got with Hartnell Troughton and Pertwee in the three doctors mm. except we had a mobile Hartnell mm. the guy taking the piss was healthy and out and about and memorized his lines so mm. <laughs> I thought that Hurt was sort of representing a little bit the older fans the classic Who yes. fans and sort of dissing or spoofing Tennant and Smith's doctor sort of gave us a little bit of a voice in this story mm. maybe Moffat recognizing you know the criticisms that are out there it was breakneck the character writing was beautiful I really liked the way Billy Piper played the moment mm-hmm. the fact that to start with there were elements of Idris in there that the way she was she delivering some of the lines and then sort of became her own yeah. interface it was very nicely done and the fact that she was doing all of this because she didn't want 
to see him suffer. She didn't want to see all those people die. She was giving him the it's a wonderful life moment. Yes. So that he can but think how long ago this can was seated as well. You know, when mm. Rasmon said the doctor has the moment. Mm. But hold on. Was that really seated back then, do you think? Or or did Moffat just pick that up and, and retcon yeah. it? Well, oh yeah, it's retcon. But yeah. It okay. doesn't feel in the slightest retcon and he did that no, all no. the way no. through. Yeah. All the mm. stuff that's happened for the fifties, not a single fucking thing felt right come to me and yet it all was yeah even though it all was Mm -hmm. and that beautiful line where she's going on about you've walked for miles is it because you don't want her to see it and then Tennant at the end when he high fives his TARDIS (laughs) it's just beautiful there were so many beautiful bits to it but the plot was to steal Sputter's favourite phrase utter bobbins Mm. it got the 50 on the strength of John Hurt, David Tennant and Matt Smith being amazing together and Jenna Louise doing a sterling job of being the voice of reason. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, she um, saved the day. She did. Companions yeah. So, Rose wasn't really Rose. That Thanks. was a really nice. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Screw Rose. That was awesome. I was yeah. so relieved it yeah. wasn't Rose. Really great. And she was great. Billy Piper was great. She was. She's very good. She's yeah. always good. Yeah, I mean, I've never had the problem with Billy Piper. It's Rose that I never liked Rose right. was a selfish little cow but Billy Piper played it beautifully <laughs> and there were two moments when we saw Capaldi's eyebrows I punched the air and said yes probably slightly too oh. loudly <laughs> and the then... same thing around that time but it was because it's <laughs> the third, all 13 of them yes fucking reaffirming the canon come on <laughs> yes. go Moffat go yeah. and then that bit where he's sitting going I could retire and become a curator he said uh. I think perhaps you know I just looked at we both just looked at each other and went <laughs> I was in a crowded theater when I saw this and there was so much whooping and screaming during this thing but every time there was a reference to Capaldi or Capaldi showed up there were the biggest screams of all which I thought was a really good sign uh, well, hold on wait are. Capaldi will be awesome let's pay attention to the cat just a second the cat needs some treats <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, drop them all over the floor, you turd. <laughs> but Tom was awesome. I didn't like it. You didn't? Nope. It's the only thing I didn't like. Oh, and I can live with it. I didn't like Tom. I thought it was a beautiful tribute. I didn't like the whole, well, he could be a doctor or he's not a doctor and all this sort of shit. What the fuck was all that about? Oh, I and got it, it. I know the Dark Archive was his TARDIS and all that kind of stuff because he had mm-hmm. handles on the wall and all this sort of shit. It's fairly obvious what was going on, but I just didn't buy it. It just kind of broke the whole thing for me suddenly I was looking at Tom he could act and everything and he's great and it's Tom you know I've fucking watched the guy paint a fence but it would have been better for me if Tom had played the security guard in the car park instead of <laughs> somehow trying to play the doctor. Uh, and also, I, isn't fucking mad enough? Isn't that just like reaffirming some kind of deep-sighted insanity in the poor guy? Come on, <laughs> seriously. Well, it was interesting from talking to... Okay, I'm going to do the name-dropping thing just to keep you happy. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> when various Big Finish people have talked about this and Nick's mentioned it, is the fact that when Tom came back to do the Big Finish audios, he'd forgotten how to play the doctor he was playing it how he remembered which wasn't the case so they sort of had to sit him down and talk to him about 
how he had actually done it because I mean it's been so long it's been 30 odd years really so it wasn't quite the fourth doctor that we remember it was a mad old bugger but you know that is him (laughs) (laughs) the way I understood it he mentioned that in the future the doctor (laughs) would revisit old faces Uh, I just took it I specifically took it to mean that he was using an old face on a new regeneration, that's all, and that he had become the old curator, the great well, curator. Why not? I Why? Because totally... he's fucking Tom Baker, he'll be dead by the time like, anybody does a regeneration. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Matt Smith it... also mentions other lives that he Yeah, I know, tried... but it broke so... the diegesis of the whole thing. Suddenly I was looking at Tom Baker as opposed to watching Doctor Who. That's why I had a problem with it. It's not enough of a problem that it like, bugs me enough not to give something a fucking 50, and that's bloody rare, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think Tom could have been better used in other places. Absolutely awesome to see him. A massive Tom Baker fan, as, as you know. Apart from John Purdy, he was definitely my doctor growing up. But I don't know. It felt very nicely crowbarred in. It was the <laughs> only thing in the 50th anniversary celebration week that felt crowbarred in to me. Yes. And the thing is, I, we've seen this done a few times in the past. You know, we've seen anniversary episodes, not just in Doctor Who, but in other series too. And a lot of stuff feels wedged in. And because it was done so well all week this time around had we gotten the five doctors on saturday the ending wouldn't have felt out of place because this is a far superior episode in my mind to the five doctors Mm. i felt that that scene with tom baker was beautifully poetic and i did not mind that it was breaking the reality a little bit i thought it was well placed it was beautiful it was for me the best moment of the whole thing so for me i had an opposite reaction but for me when they had david Tennant meet Peter Davison, you know, with the Titanic mm, and everything. Time crash. That was very jarring. But in this you case... Know, I feel more sympathetic towards that now after all this, though. Yeah, in this case, it actually felt like a little poetic love letter put in at the very end of the whole thing. You know, that scene done almost word for word... <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep the cat treats in a big ceramic TARDIS and it makes a lot of noise when I open it. So I'm really drunk. Hang on. Yeah, we can tell. <laughs> Don't eat the cat treats. Really done. Hang on. They're not for you. Okay, They're for the cat. Uh, yeah. You'll probably hear the cat. <laughs> Had the Tom Baker scene been inserted almost word for word at the end of an adventure in space and time, and that interaction happened with Mm. David Bradley, I would have thought it was absolutely perfect in every way. So I actually agree with both Terry and Ulan in this. It was beautiful, but it was out of place. In all my lifetime, I have never been a part, a genuine part of anything as big as this, apart from maybe Christmas dinner. But nobody ever introduces me as, this is Sputters, he's really into Christmas dinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? This was for us. This was a whole yeah. fucking week for something that. All right. Yeah, as, let's as long as you don't look at the, the BBC. The first year of Sylvester McCoy and some of the second big years, it was fucking tough to be a Doctor Who fan. Seriously, it was. Nobody fucking knew what the fuck you were talking about, and you were on your own unless you found another oh. Doctor Who fan. And the only Dude, way I'm to find American. Doctor... I'm American. I don't know. even start with that bullshit, man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it was fucking wasteland here, yeah. man. It was horrible. Yeah. We were you all know? alone here this in the States. Just... All alone. Guys, we're 
we're cool now. I know. Fuck it, eh? How wrong is that? So, who's that? Why did that happen? And I always say, do you really want to know? <laughs> Are you sure you want to open this fucking floodgate? So, can I uh, be a bit of a statistician here and throw a couple things out since we're talking about Doctor Who being cool? I'm sitting here on the Doctor Who news page, okay? The simulcast broadcast in Canada and the United States both shattered every ratings record that the respective stations that broadcast it had. BBC America here in the U.S. and Space in Canada, the two stations that broadcast it, it both shattered their ratings record. Here in the United States, it drew almost 4 million viewers on its first broadcast, which is a respectable audience number for a broadcast network like NBC or ABC. For a cable channel to get those kinds of numbers in the middle of a Saturday afternoon during college yeah. football season is unfucking believable It just mm-hmm. does not happen at all. When a movie in the United States is released in limited release, when it's not released nationwide, they can't really pay attention to the overall grossing of the movie because, of course, it wasn't released in but a, a couple hundred theaters. What they pay attention to is how much money each theater made that weekend. Mm-hmm. And what that tells you is, was the theater sold out or did it have empty seats? Do you know what the number one rated movie in the United States this weekend for, <laughs> oh, for income per theater? Of course, it didn't make anything close to Hunger Games, but the highest rated movie in the U.S. in per her theater gross was Day of the Doctor. Woo! Get it. I mean, it's Doctor Who! It's awesome, but it's awesome. Okay, so I had this moment today at work. I'm sitting in front of a, a room full of middle school boys. I've got about 30 13-year-old boys in front of me, right? And these guys walk in the door to my classroom, and one of them is like, don't say anything. I didn't get to see it. Um, Our internet was down, and we don't have cable. And I'm like, okay, so I won't say anything, besides the fact that it was absolutely amazing. And one of the kids is like, what are you guys talking about? And about five kids turned to him and said, are you kidding me? It was the Doctor Who 50th. And he's like, oh yeah, I saw a couple minutes of that. I thought it was lame. And 15 kids turned to him and said, you're a loser. And I'm like, oh my god. And I'm thinking back, I had this moment of clarity when I was a seventh grade boy and I made the mistake after the Visions convention of walking into school wearing a Doctor Who shirt and I had wished that morning that I hadn't have been born because I got endless shit for the rest of my school existence for this and now I have kids in my classroom being made fun of because they didn't watch the 50th anniversary (laughs) are you kidding me and of course you know I'm the teacher I'm supposed to play nice right so I turn to him and I'm oh go easy yeah yeah (laughs) you're a dweeb and I'm like okay, go easy on the kid. He really doesn't understand. We'll enlighten him in the future. Let's just be nice. And I I just can't fathom this. I'm 36 years old, and I'm just blown away by this whole phenomenon. Yeah, the episode was great. I had some issues with it, but it was a great episode. I just can't believe the scope of the past seven days, though. I just can't. Have you seen, though, the BBC Three after party? No, No, but I saw the BBC America pre-party, and I'm never going to be the same after that steaming party. Pile of shit. So, oh God, no, no. Seriously, you two have to track down the BBC Three after party for the two greatest moments that BBC Three has ever seen. Oh, wait. Which is Matt Smith lobbing the V's at One Direction before they get caught in a chronic hysteresis. 
Yeah. Oh my God! Stephen me. Moffat sitting there with his head in his hands, disbelievingly at the train wreck that's going on around him, while John Hurt is killing himself, laughing next to him. <laughs> You've got to watch it. It is the most god awful pile of crap <laughs> I, ever. I did see that little clip. I saw that on YouTube. It was like that Brit Award. It was hilarious. Wasn't it? Remember that Brit Award? Mm. Yeah. It's it so, one with Sam Fox and Mick Fleetwood, mm. yes. Oh, God, yes. So about, <laughs> about the actual episode. Okay, all right, okay. About the actual um, episode, I've watched it a few times, about six. <laughs> and it, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, iPad in the bath, isn't it? Fuck it, what else am I going to do? Saves me masturbating. I've watched it about six times, and it all hangs together. I don't care what people say about the plot. I'm sorry, Fuchsia. Yeah, I've been does. through this thing with a okay. fine motherfucking tooth comb. And it makes no sense. Some of it hangs on single lines, you know, like joking about the let Zygons be Zygons and the way they just walk away from that whole plot. But it all does quite immaculately hang together. It does. It is two episodes kind of crammed together into one, but he had the length of time to do that, and it works. The Gallifrey stuff still leaves me fucking chilled to the core. When they zoom into that painting, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it in 3D. And to I be bet. honest, I think this is something that's going to haunt me in an odd way. I get the feeling at some, no. some point somebody's going to say, well, you're not a proper Doctor Who fan because you didn't go to the cinema. But Don't let it haunt you because I saw it both ways and I didn't really feel like it was different well, when I, I saw it 3D is a big gimmick. I don't really like 3D mm. stuff yeah, that much. I don't either. And I saw it as I felt I should see it. The only way I could have improved on it was to build a fort out of cushions and, and watch it from behind the fucking sofa. <laughs> I actually ate, and I shit you not, I ate so many jelly babies, I actually made myself feel quite poorly from overeating <laughs> jelly babies. I only ate a bag and a half, but trust me, that's a lot of fucking jelly babies because the missus wouldn't sugar. eat them because they had like pig's feet in them and shit. Oh, sugar hangover. And the missus, she carved out of cheese a pizza in the shape of the seal of Rassilon. I had a buttload of wine to drink. It was like my birthday or something. This is the most important birthday of your life. (laughs) Well, no. Hopefully, I'll last another 50 years and make it to the next one. I'll be really fucking old if I do. I reckon I'll make it to the 75th. Oh, yeah. yeah. But beyond that, I'm probably going to have to leave that to younger souls like Sen. Well, I'll be an old Mm -hmm. fart. I'll be 10 years fucking younger than me, mate. The 100th anniversary, I'll be fucking I tell you what, deal now. Whoever makes the 100th anniversary has to fucking podcast it. Dedicate it to those of us who aren't around. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't no shit. All right, deal. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm all okay. proud. Okay. I go. First of all, what I really liked about the episode is the scale of the story. I was getting really sick of this constant escalation where the universe is going to be destroyed. No, all of time and space is going to be destroyed. Uh. And Muffet during his first season was just as guilty. He continued to escalate. It's like every season cliffhanger, every season ender had to be, what is the next biggest, hugest <laughs> thing we can do? And it just got downright silly. I mean, that whole thing with the universe exploding uh. and wishing it back into existence was oh, just Jesus an, Christ. an utter pile of shit. And for this this episode to pull everything back and be a very introspective story about the doctor and his struggle over 400 years with what he did I thought was absolutely beautiful it was perfect it was the day of the doctor we knew what was going to happen to Gallifrey because Gallifrey came back during the RTD era, we knew that it hadn't actually been destroyed. So if you've been following the series religiously, even just the new series, you pretty much knew how this was going to end. But the Doctor didn't. It was all us getting to climax. It was us getting to climax, no, you're quite right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I was talking to Ezzy McAlpine, who is mm. a friend of all of ours from Second Life, and I was saying, you know what fascinated me so much about this episode is the companion has always been our window into the doctor's life. We're human. The companions are usually human. This is how we understand him. But because he's a time lord and his life is all about time travel, I don't think the writers have ever made an effort for us to literally climb inside the doctor's head and look at things. And we got to do that. We got to see how incredibly confusing time travel can be, even for a time lord. And that's why I call bullshit on what you said, Fuchsia, because <laughs> I think this did work, but it worked very, very slightly. Like Ulan said, <laughs> it hinged on one line here, one line there, because we got to watch this episode from the doctor's perspective. And mm. this is how precarious his life as a time traveler really is. If you miss a word, your whole fucking life and timeline is going to come apart at the seams. This is what he's lived for 1,400 years. So if you stay stepped out to go take a wee and you missed five or six lines, you're boned. <laughs> you don't have a chance. And I just want to say that for those people who bitched and complained about leaving the Zygon plot hanging at the end, first of all, it was utterly superfluous. The only reason... Yeah, it didn't need to be there. Right. The only reason that plot was there was to have Hertz Doctor see these two future selves do something amazing without firing a shot, without killing anyone, just to be utterly brilliant. And that's the only reason it was there. So who gives a shit? They also established that the Zygons had been hiding in the paintings, which was something important. Yeah, it was. But also, we've seen that same plot resolve itself how many times over 50 years? Right. Mm -hmm. It almost yeah. seemed to me it was a jab at the cookie cutter episodes mm -hmm. that any series that's been on for even more than three or four years ends up having a few cookie cutter episodes. Mm -hmm. Doctor Who has had more than its fair share. Ulan touched earlier on when it was really painful to be a fan and you could pretty much predict how all of the mediocre scripts were going to end. We didn't need to see the end. We've seen it before. Yeah. He sits there, he makes a couple of cutting remarks. It's brilliant. Everyone walks away a little bit unbelievably. It's all resolved. Great. Fine. Don't waste screen time with it. The whole thing was very self-referential as far as Doctor Who. Yeah. And I think that your point right there, I think that was pretty deliberate on Moffat's part. Maybe I'm imagining that, but I, I felt that there's so much of that throughout the whole thing. This is a family show, right? We've questioned how good Moffat is at writing for the whole family. Solus and I loved it. And the middle school kids that I work with when I'm not going by this name and swearing nonstop... <laughs> They loved it and didn't mention or comment on any of the things we just did. They didn't notice or care. Did you get any opinions off them? What did they say? Brilliant. Loved it. Great. They didn't understand a lot of the back continuity, and they didn't okay. give a crap. Yeah. It was a true family show. It had continuity for the old-timers. It had a great plot that the, the kids loved. It was brilliant. It had talent for the teens, seriously. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. They loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot there for new fans. New fans wouldn't be bothered by anything that they didn't understand anyway, so it was fine. I really enjoyed some of the directing and the weird little moody cuts. Like when he's in that gallery, there's cuts where it's like him out of time and back and forth. That was interesting. And also when John Hurt 
Robert's doctor's talking to the moment. There's little cuts when she's talking and she moves around. And I just thought that was all really beautiful. You know, you said something before, and I hadn't really noticed that that was what it was. But I thought it was very astute the way you said she was very Idris. And in a way, that's, oh, yeah, she was very time-lord technology. It's obviously some idea that they have about this interface. I'm going to totally and the interface is similar. Now, and you know the SL <laughs> I want to oh, see that fuck. in people who are a part of Time Lord Technology. I want to see that. When I wow. first saw her come into the scene, I was sure Not that fair. she was the TARDIS. Can I stick in a really geeky thing here? <laughs> um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. <laughs> that would be out of place. This is one of those where someone needs to take a drink when I do this, when I go off on one of these tangents. For all of the time that Doctor Who was off the air, a lot of fans filled in the gaps and yeah. sat around conventions and when the internet started getting big on, on blogs and stuff like that. And we created bullshit, which evidently I'm known for being an expert for, where I fill in the gaps with stuff that no one ever said but makes sense. A lot of your bullshit has been born out. Okay. <laughs> I gotta say it, man. Solus turned to me when they said one particular line and they said, I know I'm paraphrasing here, but she was so complicated that she gained sentience. I would like to reference you to a story that was published in 1993 when the internet was in its infancy called Don't Shoot the Pianist. And that was the birth of our SL characters long before MMOs ever existed. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm taking credit for the invention of the moment. But there was more than one thing that happened in that 50th anniversary where things were referenced as canon that fans have just spouted as being canon over the decades. And yet it was never actually said on okay, screen. A lot of our stuff is based on the Virgin novels and quite a few other things. But they do mm-hmm. keep referring very nicely to things that fit into the stuff that we've role-played for a very long time. I'm trying to see the difference between Billy Piper's character and the character of Sen that I've been role playing now for Sen. <laughs> really, the whole Sestap thing and everything. It kind of. I mean, right down to the fact that she's wearing white and the whole deal. Uh, I mean, ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> either Muffet and I think alike, which is a disturbing. He's stalking you. Disturbing possibility. Shit. To say it, how cool it's is crazy. that? It's totally and cool. That really helps, and, I think, because he feels like a fan who's part of the same world that well, we he are. Is. Yeah, exactly. yeah. He is. He's, he's like Gattis, he's like Rob, he's like Gareth Roberts, he's like Paul Cornell. We're all yeah. in the They're all geeks made good. So we have got mild doubts about the guy over the last couple of seasons I especially have with the whole silence stuff quite frankly fuck it bring it on after this I don't think that Stephen Muffet knows anything about our role play and read into those characters what I think is that he is just a fanatic a fan as all of us are who lived through the same drought that we all did and basically thinks the same way and has come to some of the same conclusions about Doctor Who and its canon that we have completely independent of each other. And you're exactly right, Uplin. Yeah. yeah, I buy him now. Okay, so sometimes the guy's overworked and he doesn't turn out things that are brilliant, but God damn it, he loves Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. And Sen, can I tell you my little moment was when they basically said that they had put the Time Lords in a pocket universe. How oh. many years ago I've been saying, all they have to do is put the Time Lords in a fucking pocket universe and then, you know, who's going to find them? They'll be there. And I'm 
five years. Theater, and when they did that, I just fucking lost my shit. I was five years ago, I wrote a blog entry for the RP where I was talking about all of us living in a pocket universe in this weird place. That sounds nice. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> fucking love it. Really? Oh, shit. I have two options here. Either the guy thinks exactly like me, or he reads my shit. Either way, I'm good. Yeah, so the the 50th episode was not perfect, and it had its flaws. But I'm sorry. When Sen basically shows up on screen in 96 countries, I'm pretty good with it now. Now that I think of it, it's in the books. I know there's a book, one of the Eighth Doctor books. Lawrence Miles, I think, might have written this. He put the Celestis, which is like some faction of the Time Lords that turn evil and selfish, and they hide out in a pocket universe. So this stuff has been around, you know, and I think Moffat is just so familiar with everything. And, and after watching this episode, you know that during the 90s and leading up to the production of the new series that Moffat read the books. You know that he listened to the audios. He writes some of the books. Yeah, well, there's that. And you know that he just sat there every once in a while and started Googling and reading random Doctor Who fan shit on the internet. Yes. You, you could just tell. When he says he doesn't read stuff that the fans say on the internet, that is total bullshit. Oh, no. I believe, remember, rule number one, Muffet lies. Uh, he doesn't read or pay attention to people's reviews of episodes, but I know damn good and well that guy sat there and read fanfic like all of us did because it was an epic drought and we had no choice. Can yeah. we get for quotes? Mm. We're confusing the polarity. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Best line ever. Doctor Who, confusing the polarity since 1963. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for that Am I having a midlife crisis? Why are you pointing your <laughs> screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. Oh, <laughs> Fucking thought that was great. I love her. He got all the good lines, I thought. He did. That oh, bit at the end where there's the three of them and he's going Geronimo Alonzi. Oh, for God's sake. And then he says, Gallifrey Stan. That was yeah. his Geronimo, which was like yeah, way better cool. than fucking Geronimo. I don't know. I don't even know where to start. I suppose since you guys have taken all the good ones, just where the... Castellan, because I think that's who it was, where he shouted out, no, all 13. And... Yeah, all yeah. old-time I mean, fans got it. Yeah, it has to be said that bit with John Hurt wasn't my actual favourite. My favourite John Hurt line was the bit where they're all in the undergallery at the end, and he says, if I grow up to be half the man that you are, Clara. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> and, and can I also just give a special nod to the rabbit? <laughs> right this very minute, there is a fucking identical rabbit called Digby who is sat on my foot. Um, he's got a bit of coriander. He's quite happy. Cat's looking at him like it rubs the cream into its skin or else it yeah. gets the hose. But we've had a bunny that basically looks like that for a very long time, and that was pretty fucking cool. I thought of Mr. Whoppet when I saw that. Mr. Whoppet, mm-hmm. the original Worthington Whoppet. Another bunny that looked exactly like that, of ours, that used to sit on my feet. In Is SL. It? Remember, we used to put little Mr. Whoppets wherever we landed and stuff. There's still loads of those around. I can track them now. <laughs> oh, can I just say, by the way, and I know damn good and well Muffet doesn't listen to this. God help us if he does. I like the round things, too. Could you please bring them back? Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love the new console room. It's, it's my favorite of the new series. But bring back the round thing. 
things, please, because even the doctor misses them. If Mr. Moffat does listen to this, I'm not interested in going to events and stuff. I, I don't like other Doctor Who fans on the whole. <laughs> but you could chuck us some fucking that's free DVDs. That would be nice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to Chuck us some shit to review. That would be good. Sure. That's going to happen. If you are listening to Moffat, raise a glass to you. You've done us fucking proud, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. you. <laughs> Moffat. That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> the, the best week in 50 years to be a Doctor yeah. Who fan. Suddenly, Moffat and Gaitis have turned into something comparable to Hinchcliffe and Tom Baker for me. Suddenly, this has turned into like a golden age. Golden blown away. We'll, we'll see golden how it goes. The thing is, yeah. I yeah. forgive any error that Moffat has ever no, made before. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, this makes up for it. It really does. It's been an awesome time to be a Doctor Who fan, and I've got to thank everybody who's been posting stuff, because people do post stuff as well to our Facebook pages, and people post a lot of stuff. There's been people posting countdowns, all kinds of great stuff. (laughs) Our page has grown massively over this period because Doctor Who is popular, which is great, because our second life sales go up as well. It's been a fantastic time to be a big, massive scarf-wearing fucking geek, and... Here's to you guys, because one of the greatest things about Doctor Who is his fans, and uh, we're all fucking awesome. You just said you didn't like them. No, I don't like hanging out with them. (laughs) There are a lot of awesome people I don't like. They can be awesome and still not like them. That's fine. (laughs) I like the people. I just don't do my dirty laundry and bubble yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever. I don't know. Certainly don't fucking cry as soon as I see Gallifrey in the cinema. I want to do that in my own fucking house. Yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> when Tom Baker walked into that scene and started talking, I involuntarily oh, that cried. That would have been just my fucking luck. I'd have been sat next to the fucking crying Californian. Yeah. And the little girl next to me. She was very direct, and she just turns to me and she goes, "Are you okay?" <laughs> no, I, was, I didn't want to say anything because I was paying attention to the movie. But I just no, just leave me alone. Let me have my. All right, listen, we gotta cut this thing short. We gotta go. Say goodnight, okay. Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Hi, You've been listening to. The Dirty Hooers Doctor Who podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHooers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. Oh yeah, we're also on Facebook. See you next time. If this is overrunning, what he's going to do is do it as two parts. Yeah. So that we don't lose any good material. Yeah, that makes sense. material. (laughs) <laughs> there is no good material. There's always a chance. <laughs> we can, good material, but we can have our fantasies. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we can have a long one anyway. Uh, hey. <laughs> he said long one. <laughs> I wasn't going to touch that. <laughs> oh, I hope you're not touching that. You're not. Uh, you're digging that hole deeper, <laughs> T. I'm <Hold> sorry. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs>